heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. I think everybody can see at this point, this moment, that uh, this is not the usual fight or altercation. It's not just another moment, another war. It is an eye-opening message to the world, I think, would be would be my point here. Uh, when you see the sort of uh, the barbarians uh, take on the depravity they do, uh, and as we've all talked about it at length, and still people can't rationalize. In fact, I was talking to somebody just moments ago on another call, and they were talking about the, what would drive people to do this kind of thing, this cult kind of thing, you know? And I mean, I, you know, and they, they were sensitive to some words. Let's face it, let me just put it out here now. Uh, this is a conversation Americans don't like to have, okay? The American people don't like to talk about this stuff, and surely politicians don't, okay? They sweep this under the carpet. And we seen that early on when uh, El Baghdadi did all that stuff on the water side, chopping necks off, heads off. The world was aghast. And you, you could tell our political people didn't quite know what to say. How do you address this kind of thing? I mean, you know, how do you bring this into school, into church? What do you say? It's a tough conversation. It really is. And people tend to avoid it. And I just had this conversation with someone on the phone just moments ago. And I said, well, I think it's okay to avoid it as long as it's not your neck being cut off or being slit or wrist or whatever. If it's not your spouse, your wife or some loved one, it's probably okay to ignore it, I guess. And then when it hits your personal life, I think all bets are off at that point. It all changes, doesn't it? You know, and that is the the moment that we see. Now, this is an eye-opening moment for the world, really. And, you know, I made the statement a couple of days ago to you that, and, and I, I meant it in a way where I said, you know, I think they may have overplayed their hand. There's a certain element to what human beings will accept and what they won't accept. You understand? Cutting babies' heads off crosses that line. It changes the rules, you see. And I do think that's where they went a step too far. It's bad enough that you're cutting men's heads off and doing that sort of thing. No human being should be in that position. But when you're doing it to babies, you're doing it to women, you're to grandparents, and you do that sort of behavior, you have to begin to question everything. I mean, there's no word that fits that. Animal doesn't fit it. I mean, it's it's really Satanist. Well, it is what we talked about yesterday, in fact. It is the fight of good and evil. This is what we're dealing with. You know, uh, America, our history as a Judeo-Christian nation and our, our roots and what made America um, wealthy in faith, wealthy in faith, was when we prayed in the school and we 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 had no problems with the prayer. We we stood and had our hands on our heart for the Pledge of Allegiance. There was a sense of patriotism in our country. All of that was real. 
It reminds me of the words that, uh, and, I, and I love this guy, the French historian, uh, Alexis de Tocqueville is uh, just one of my favorites. He said so many profound things, you know, and he said this as well. And I quote, not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits flame with righteousness, did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because America is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. We are dealing with battles now on a, on a daily and weekly basis that challenge that greatness. And it's because in many, many of these conversations we have, we're not good. We're not doing the righteous thing. And that's the problem. It's the bigger problem here. And in order to solve the problems down on the ground, you really do have to go up to 50,000 feet to understand the problems, number one. And nobody does that today. They just spout off garbage and talk about things. They don't even know what the hell they're talking about. You don't even understand the problem. I see people now talking about, well, we just need to give them a couple of flowers. Peace. Yeah, really? Okay. <laughs> what does that look like again? People who think that, uh, you, can't, you can't possibly understand this problem. There's a few things as I welcome you in here to the voice of a nation. Uh, first of all, there are calls for to um, gather up uh, other jihadists and make a move onto the world on Friday the 13th, appropriately or not. Uh, there are many reports of that flood. And now, I, I got a bunch of them in today. When I start seeing these things, I think everybody who knows me knows I take it with a grain of salt initially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just whatever. That's on social media. I get it. People love to flame this garbage. And I also understand that, but sometimes you have to look a little deeper and there's truth in there. And I think that's a starting point today to talk about this terrorism and the impact of the world. Now, let me also address the fact that uh, we, you know, I'm sure you understand at this moment, uh, the attack right now is still on Gaza. Uh, but there are now the uh, second front is opening up more and more as we talk here, as Hezbollah begins to get uh, more restless in the north. And uh, we're seeing those signs. And if that if that begins to continue to tilt in the way that it is, uh, it's a multi front deal. Sadly, the people there have gotten caught into a bad situation which we talked about plenty over the years uh, about not standing up to this terrorist group. But how could they really? I guess on the other hand, the leadership could have, I, th I thought, along the way, but it never did happen. And now they're paying a grave price for it. In fact, there's no power, no electricity, no water, no food. Uh, they're uh, Israel is controlling the ports as well by by blowing things up there. And it's become a full a full onslaught here of what you would expect when you Go in and you do the kinds of uh, unthinkable acts to those people. And they'll, you know, those families and loved ones will never be the same if they got caught up into this web. You know, everything in life is timing, wrong place, wrong time, right? It's all about timing in life, really. Okay, so Reuters has a, a story out, to, which I'm seeing multiple reports of this calls now with the former Hamas chief calling for protests and neighbors to join the war against Israel. And they're asking, uh, basically to get to the point, I'm not going to read every word here, but uh, 
They're calling for protests across the Muslim world on Friday, the support of the Palestinians and the people of neighboring countries to join the fight against Israel. Um, and he says we must uh, head to the squares and streets of the Arabic and Islamic world on Friday. And this was a recorded statement he sent out to uh, Reuters, actually. Uh, and uh, asking the peoples of Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, and Egypt, and also in other countries around the world to support this. And so that was one point there. And then the actual uh, Khalid Majal, the leader and founder member of Hamas, also gave a speech asking, was the same thing. This is the one, the first one I read to you was the, uh, the uh, uh, former uh, chief and uh, of, of this uh, terrorist group. Now we're talking about the uh, leader and founder member gave a speech asking Muslims around the world to do the following to show anger, uh, uh, especially on Friday, but in Muslim countries and also among uh, others in the world. He called for uh, Zionists in America. He asked for financial help from all Muslims around the world to help with their money. Called a financial jihad. Asked Muslims to give fighters in Gaza in order to compensate them for the destruction. They want to be compensated for the destruction. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, he asked political pressure for Muslim leaders and Muslim nations to stop Israel's military invasion of Gaza. And this is one of the things we've been watching is the Arab community. What happens next? Uh, and uh, do they stay uh, united against this evil or do they begin to come together in support of uh, Hamas? Because we're really talking about Hamas here. We're not talking about the Palestinian people, really. They got caught up into the web, but we are really talking about the terrorist group. It's what we're talking about here. So let me tell you now a few voices that will be on the uh, call today with us here, friends. Um, be excited a moment here to have on Lieutenant Colonel Sergeant Sangari is here. And he's a retired Lieutenant Colonel in the U.S. Army Infantry Special Operational Forces. More than a couple of decades of military experience. What I like and what's interesting about this gentleman is he, first of all, is an American. He's a Christian, but he was born in Iran. And he left after the uh, Iranian Revolution uh, in uh, 79. And in the early 80s, his, him and his family came and made a wonderful home here in America. So he is an American and uh, he'll be here on the broadcast. He also is a, uh, a new voice and host on the National Security Hour by chance. Excited to have uh, Lieutenant Colonel Sergeant Sangari here. Also, uh, Wallace Garneau will be here. You know the voices because they're on the programs a bit. And Wallace has a great military background as well, uh, by the way, and, and both of the Marines and the Army. And there's a good thrust of this uh, fight as well. He'll be on the broadcast as well. And also, Dr. Stephen Latulip will be here. And he has a great military background as well, frankly. Uh, and he's an ordained minister as well. And uh, he's got a, a tremendous background. He's a medical doctor. I mean... Uh, He's living multiple lives at one. And uh, so they'll all be on here as well. And, I, and as you know, they're they're uh, part of my team here. Um, I want to go first uh, to Lieutenant Colonel Sergeant Sungary here, sir. It's a privilege, first of all, to have you on the broadcast. Welcome into the voice of a nation, sir. And uh, the first time I've had you on, uh, really excited to get your opinions and thoughts here. I start with this calls where they are putting out to rally Muslims around the world and jihadists to strike back, sleeper cells, if you will. Uh, and right there at that point, how serious is that threat in your professional opi opinion, sir? 
Malcolm is uh, good to be here. And well, it's always serious. Uh, you know, I'm an army guy. <laughs> Usually, when somebody cocks the uh, weapon back, uh, points the uh, weapon at your head, you might want to take him serious. So I always take these things seriously. Is a fact of what we're going to do about it. Uh, is it going to be operationalized or not? And we may not know, unfortunately, until the last minute, because uh, in asymmetric war. And the type of fight that the uh, uh, in this case Hamas will engage, uh, they've been trained by the uh, Quds Force from Iran, and very the Quds Force is one of the most capable forces when it comes to fighting asymmetrically on the battlefield. So we won't know until, uh, depending on uh, how seriously uh, this so-called propaganda is going to affect. So, so you don't, you're not sure yourself, and you're having a hard time as I am threading that needle, whether it's propaganda or a serious threat. Well, uh, yes, because remember, they, they'll use anything in asymmetric war, right? Uh, even as in symmetric war, you know, you do take... Um, you do take uh, kidnap individuals in asymmetric war. You don't kill, uh, you know, civilians and children. But part of kidnapping and holding people for ransom is part of that process because you're fighting against a bigger force structure. So that's one of the ways of being able to right. affect them. And keep in mind, real quickly, that what the uh, uh, enemy did in Afghanistan against us. All they had to do is show that the government of Afghanistan was not capable. They didn't have to win the war. And in this particular case, Hamas doesn't have to win this war. They just don't have to lose at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, the interesting point you make there now, with the way things are headed right now, the goal of Israel is to eradicate Hamas from Gaza. Their statement is that they cannot allow this, that like all bets are off now. They cannot allow this. Uh, back into that that space, uh, the very narrow space there on the water. So what do you say to that? Is that a goal they can accomplish, or is that just uh, pie in the sky, sir? It's going to be difficult because you're talking about a major fight in a big environment. Look, we say in the arm, you know, God loves big armies. Take a look at what has happened uh, to the uh, Russian army fighting against the Ukrainians. And an urban environment it is very difficult. You're now engaged in an urban environment if you go in and a lot of your force structures are now basically uh, frozen in that particular fight. And if there's a second front that opens up from Lebanon, right now Israel doesn't have the force structure to be able to knock out every single one of those missile sites that may pop up out of the north. That means that the United States would have to come in and use both task force capabilities to really destroy all that capabilities that the Hezbollah might Now, let me ask you right now something. It was reported on my broadcast in the last couple of days that they probably have about 150,000 of those top-level missiles you're talking about versus the rockets that are being fired from Hamas. You're talking night and day. Is that a correct statement? Yes, that's a correct statement, and we don't even know right now whether or not Iran has the North Korean missile technologies and some of those missiles right. available for itself to use within this terrain. Okay, so you know, I've been talking. Listen, listen. In my world, uh, Colonel, as I was thinking about in the last couple of days, Hamas doing this, 
to me, it was either a suicide pact or they had a bigger plan in play. It has been documented and, and, and completely uh, uh, justified. Now, we do know there were meetings in Lebanon and with Hamas, Hezbollah and Iran. It has been documented. This did happen. Uh, and um, and it, it and, everybody, and our government knows this. They clearly know. Everybody knows it. So this is a planned out strategy. This was planned for some time to pull off what they did there, which was unthinkable. And there are so many questions as to why this even happened on Israel's watch. Very surprising. It shocked everybody. And, of course, the price they paid, people paid with their lives uh, in this way. Uh, and when you're dealing with terrorists like this, th- this is the worst. I mean, this they, these are not people. This is evil at its chorus. Um, and, and it gets deep, brother. It gets really deep when you start to talk about this in the way that you do. And, you know, um, so... It, the fact that that uh, they pulled the lever on this, Colonel, it, uh, my thoughts are that there's a, a, other levels of stages. I did feel that Hezbollah may pull the lever right now, and who knows, even Iran could jump in here at some point. This was their master plan after all. Do you give me your thoughts on what I say there? Do you have a sense or what's your opinion, your feeling on Hezbollah and Iran getting involved in this fight? Well, three months ago, um, I knew when in our Near East we were speaking, uh, and I I didn't know that I said, you know what, there's an imminent possibility of a strike by Israel against Hezbollah. So something had... Why did you say that, sir? Why did you say that? Because we saw the uh, patterns of what's happening on the ground. We saw the geostrategic moves that are taking place. Uh, We saw what was happening with the possibility of the offensive in Ukraine not going as well as has been promoted and the possibility of a counterattack in the winter by uh, Russia. Uh, So that put us in a position, and with the pressures that China was under with his economy, because keep in mind, the backbone of Iran is China and the Shanghai Corporation Organization that Russia and Iran are signatorials to. And then when you add to that the possibility of uh, Israel and uh, Saudi openly now uh, normalizing relations, they've been normalized behind the scenes for um, more than uh, five, six years. But uh, when you see that suddenly taking place, it was probably a time that one of these cells would have been activated, and they activated the cell. The question has to be asked, what happened with the electronic monitors on those fences, and how was it that they shut down? Was it a, another national power that got involved in the fight? And now we're about to find out because you got Chinese in Syria, you got Russians in Lebanon, you got American Naval Task Forces moving in, and this could get ugly in a quick uh, mistake that may take place with any of these four structures in each other. Let's not forget about the Turks. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, uh, that's right. Uh, we all look at the Turks. Look what Erdogan came out and uh, stated. You see that? Yes. Uh, and he's got, there right now in just northern Iraq, you have uh, 20 small basings, uh, different areas, all the way into Erbil in northern Iraq uh, that Turks occupy. And just today, uh, you had the uh, special envoy, uh, the UN Secretary General in Iraq, stating that they do support Iran and Iraq solving their border security concerns. What were those border security concerns that the UN just gave a green light on? It was that last month on the 15th, prior to the one-year anniversary of Iranians hitting the streets for the death of that young lady, 
that Iran has said anyone who is conducting operations inside of um, Iran is basing out of northern Iraq, and those individuals have to be removed. Otherwise, we're going to invade northern Iraq. And the same thing was an agreement with the Turks, who had said, we are going to come in, and we're going to sweep northern Iraq at the same time. So now you just had the UN give that green light. That means the stage is being set for what is taking place with this war, and there's going to be an expansion regionally as far as others trying to claim whatever they believe is in that agreement that they understand to be part of this entire changing of the Middle East. Right, this right. Fight. This is this is significant, and we, but you know, like you say, you were you've been following it right along, and you weren't really shocked then that Hamas made the move because you've been studying, and you thought they might be doing something soon. Is what you said, right? Yeah, I wasn't shocked. We knew it was coming. It just happened that it came a day after the uh, uh, anniversary of Yom Kippur. That's right. That's, a lot of people were surprised by that or said it was uh, there was intention to it. But they do a lot of things uh, intentionally, time-wise, or based on fear uh, to uh, to document the moment. I think I see that pretty continuously. Uh, I, let me just ask you about China a moment. You mentioned China a moment ago here. I was thinking coming into today with us now sending another carrier group out there. Uh, things are revving up. They see the seriousness of this moment. And uh, I was thinking about China a moment here. China, they, uh, uh, Chuck, Chucky Schumer, the uh, the, the uh, senator, uh, there and uh, he was in China and uh, China had released initial statements as I understand that I don't have them in front of me but I know it was jested that they said that uh, they, they didn't um, uh, push back on this assault initially with Hamas and put some generic statement out there whatever the hell it was I don't know Chuck Schumer called him out on it uh, and they then came back Xi Jinping and he met with him actually he came out with a statement uh, uh, really um Saying and more than just calling for peace, but to say that uh, that Hamas was incorrect, they were wrong. Again, I don't have the words in front of me, but I know it was said, and that this this is incorrect, and they need to stop. And so he made more of a declarative statement. I don't know if you've seen that. And but after I seen that, Colonel, I started thinking. Well, now with the U.S. sending another ship out there, China has made a lot of inroads in that area because of our our really crappy Middle East policy. Uh, we've we've obliterated it. Uh, now, would they send some carrier groups out there as well? Do you know if that's uh, in the in the works? Well, I mean, you have Chinese on the ground in Syria. They've been right. flying aircrafts over uh, Syria using. But above uh, and beyond Russian that, I'm platforms. talking about above and beyond that. I, I know I know what they got there. No, but above I, I, and beyond I, that. Yeah, I know what you're trying to get at. China uses others to do their stuff. So when China buys Iran to the tune of four hundred thirty two billion dollars. Uh, the Iranian soldier being on the ground in a specific location advising Hamas or Hamas fighters, an extension of Iran, fighting in Gaza, that means China is there. China is uh, the lead for the Shanghai Corporation organization that was created to replace basically NATO and counter America, uh, not just in that region, globally, and anywhere that they believe is their backyard. And the backyard for the Chinese is everywhere from Mexico. Uh, all the way to anything in Asia. 
they look at everything as their backyard and they don't like anyone to be there. Now, the Chinese themselves, Xi came out and stated that he supports a two-state solution. Part of the reason he does that, because China is surrounded by Muslim nations. And as he's been butchering the Uyghurs inside of China, he's had an agreement economically for other Islamic nations to lay off. And if tomorrow he changes that tune and is uh, on the side of the Israeli specific on this directly, then there's going to be funding to those Islamic organizations inside of China to start attacking yeah. Chinese interests. So yeah. he understands that. That's why he yeah. is on the Palestinian side. You know what's interesting about what you're explaining right now from a geopolitical sense, too? It's it's ironic that uh, China is really not Russia's friend. Russia's not China's friend. Russia's not the Arab's friend. The Arabs are not their friend. They don't like the Muslims. They don't like this. They don't like that. It's the enemy, the enemy, the enemy, the enemy. And what? What does Sun Tzu say? The enemy of your enemy is my friend. Yeah, I mean, none of these people are friendly. When uh, Saudi Arabia normalizes a relationship with Israel, it doesn't mean that they love the Jews and they want to you know, have them marry into their families. They're doing it because they realize for economic interests of the survival of Saudi in the future, which are different energy yeah. uh, being created now, that they may have to start uh, reorganizing their society. Of course, that's all been put on hold at this point, uh, that peace and all, you know that. Is yes and no. Everything gets put on hold on the uh, surface, but underneath, uh, these nations settle their papers. You know, when the Sykes-Picot contract initially was signed that divided the Middle East, uh, that contract was between the French and the uh, Brits. So, and, and we knew that that was going to end 25 years prior to expiration. Right. And the United States and Russia and others started uh, making the deals that they realize once that contract is out, there needs to be a new deal for the region. So you think that could still happen? You're saying then straight out, you think that that sort of, because I hear people calling that like, that's like off the table totally. But you're saying that peace, that uh, unprecedented peace between them could still happen. It, it could still happen because keep in mind uh, that uh, last year, more Jews visited uh, Saudi Arabia than they visited Israel itself from the outside community, the diaspora community, because of those deals. And those deals are already still working. Some of those deals have been operational. So they're not going to just cut everything off because of the fact that you get a group uh, called Hamas deciding to conduct a asymmetric operational attack. Now, things can change. Everything can go sideways in war. That's That's why the best uh, laid plans sometimes just become nothing once you cross LD. Right. That's right. That's right. All right. So we we are in some pretty wild times here and a wild ride um, just ahead here, it sounds like. Uh, the way things are ratcheted up right now, let me go around. I want to I want to get your perspectives from all of you. Look, Colonel, let me ask you first straight out here. Uh, just take take one minute. Just I want to just ask all of my uh, guests here. Just take a minute here right now where we're at right now. Yeah, I'm looking for your opinion here now, not the, specifically the facts and data, but based on your experience and your gut feeling with where things are at right now. What percentage, what chance, what percentage do you see that things going to escalate upward to a full out on? And if it is a full out Arab war in the Middle East, uh, then it really we're teetering on what a world war uh, with the players all getting involved. And you can see as the way they all assemble out there. We've seen this before in history. What 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 I mean, is how if you're playing out in Vegas on this bet, what are you betting on this place? 
I, w- I would bet the over in Vegas uh, because that's where everybody's pushing it towards. Nobody's out there saying we need to slow down. Everybody right now is pushing for the over. And if uh, like Hezbollah gets involved and is game on, uh, and uh, if the only option you will give the Israelis is use of nukes into the future, that's not where I would be pushing this project. But unfortunately, I'm not the one at the table making these decisions as others. So you think that you think there's a high probability. Let me make sure your words are properly here. You're saying you believe there's a high probability that this escalates upward and we have a right. That's what you're saying. Yeah, because that's what they're set up the stage for. Israel doesn't have the force structure capability as significant as a great of an army. It is a bunch of guys with pajamas were able to get in. And, and over six hours and uh, at the heart of Israel and butcher their citizens. If you get Hezbollah involved in this and U.S. doesn't come in with a final focus destruction of Hezbollah assets in the north, right. hoping that they won't be hitting right. Turks, Russians, and Chinese in the process, right. Right. then guess what? Uh, you are not giving an opportunity for Israel. Uh, you're pushing to bring of extinction because well, Jerusalem would be pummeled by those rockets yeah, and missiles. Yeah. But you just hit the nail on the head for me, Colonel. You just hit the nail on the head for me. Uh, that's exactly what I'm thinking. But it goes further than that uh, as far as whether this administration would or would not. I want to come back to that point. Let me just ice that point one moment, Colonel, and stay right there. Uh, Wallace Gardner, I want to get you in on this piece of the conversation, please, in, in regards to... I mean, I think Colonel laid out a good perspective there of things, and uh, and I it's kind of what I felt, what I've been talking about the last couple of days. With all bets are off with Hezbollah in the north, and if that reacts, and what takes place now, where do you do, does this? Do, what does your gut say? Do you see it ratcheted up more? Do you see this being toned down? Where, where do you fit in this? I think we're only seeing the first step of Iran's plan. They plan this out with Hezbollah and uh, and with Hamas very, very, very carefully. The reason I, that Israel didn't know was because Iran, Hezbollah, and Hamas were actively working to prevent them from knowing. I don't know how deep China's involved. Obviously, their hand is in the pie. They're in everything that goes on on the world stage these days. But that doesn't mean they control Iran. I think that what we're really seeing here is that uh, Iran has been on the precipice of being a nuclear power for a long time. I think this is their coming out party. We're they're saying we have nuclear weapons we are willing to use them now we're going to start some real crap in 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 israel we're going to try to get israel to engage with uh in the gaza strip and then we're going to come in from the north through both lebanon and uh the west bank and uh, i think iran is is i think they have nuclear weapons and a willingness to use them and i think that israel's size makes them a prime target for a nuclear strike whether that nuclear strike is something that is fired from a missile or something that Hezbollah brings in with them from the West Bank right right yeah, so you're talking now the master plan Wally which is what we've been sort of uh, looking at and hinting at uh, Colonel I gotta ask you back here before I move this along does Iran have nuclear weapons right now in your opinion I you know as uh, Wallace said uh, there's individuals say they may already have it others saying that they are not there but um, that's that's a de- not a decision at my level that's either the U S or Israel but what's the possibility they have them right now do you think I I have intelligence experts and others telling me that they have them right now do you believe they may have them right now as as Wallace was saying depending on how the plan works out um they wouldn't be at the stage they are here but i will tell you one thing and it's very important for for you and your audiences 
as I told the Israelis two days ago when we were talking, I said, look, listen, you could drop a tactical nuke on Tehran. You could drop one somewhere where you think they have these nuclear bomb facilities and locations. Iran, 75 years from now, will still be there geographically, and their people will survive, the ones that aren't dead from the fallouts, uh, just like the Japanese did. However, if 2,000 years from now somebody shows up somewhere on a boat next to uh, Israel port and opens up a dirty bomb, Israel's gone. Uh, Jerusalem's gone. And I said technology now has allowed individuals to get to a point where they could knock out Israeli arm, uh, armor by themselves. So uh, that's one thing that I don't think people are paying attention to. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter how the war goes and how Iran gets pummeled. At the end, the Iran may not become the loser, even if they get burnt or crisp. Israel still has to deal wow. with this ideology that wants to kill it in the region. That's a brilliant analysis. Brilliant analysis, Colonel. Just just a brilliant analysis. Uh, no doubt about it, because you're you're speaking about the ideology. You're speaking about the core of the problem, the, the head of the snake, the beast. You, I mean, you're right. It survives these things and it resurfaces. The other thing nobody is paying attention to, but I do all the time, and I do totally, totally agree with you, and thank you for bringing it up, is the fact that, and it scares the hell out of me, actually, the fact that our technology is changing so fast. You know, they talk about the AI movement. They talk about all these other things happening. But, you know, it's moving so fast right now that the world is a scary place now. What do you think it's going to look like, <laughs> uh, let alone 50 years from now, 10 years from now, uh, the way it's moving uh, you know, with technology, because as colonels just said, uh, you know, hey, come on, all bets are off now. You know, you're another point in time, timing, and you get out there, dirty bombs, chemical bombs, just destroy everything. I mean, it doesn't matter what you got. You won't even have a chance to use the nuclear deal. This world is, I'll tell you, it is the human race is, um, it, it is it is in a tough spot of, of humanity right now. Dr. Steve Latula, uh, this, this brings it back to really our faith as people, really. I have to tell you, it's funny, I turn to you now, but, you know, it really is faith. I mean, because technology is moving so quick, as the colonel points out right there, that uh, this game could change at any moment. And it is so true. I mean, look what they did with the bioweapon of COVID. I mean, look, look how that decimated the world. You can amp that up 100 times over with some of the things to kill large groups of people. And once these terrorists have it, these 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 people who want to die to go see Allah, my God, all bets are off then. I mean, you just wipe out part of the earth. It's it's a dangerous place. But back to that, as yeah, well, back to that big question. What do you think in the strategy of this all? As a military guy, as a as a guy of faith, as a doctor, where do you see this whole thing playing out right now strategically, uh, Steve? Well, Malcolm, I, um, you know, from a military perspective, I mean, I was uh, mostly operational, retired Air Force, flying, flying heavies, fighters. Uh, I see uh, all the benefits of high technology being used for good or evil. But um, right now, I think actually to answer your, your former question about what is the chance of escalation, my personal view is that I think that we are at a very high risk for escalation. And I would say that the real reason for that is because we have so much irrational behavior that is not even detected even by ourselves. Now, you talked at the very beginning uh, about, uh, you know, 
about these barbarians uh, coming over, lopping the heads off babies. That crosses the line. But, you know, if you want to take this to a theological endpoint, um, we have no right to call them barbarians, the Hamas, because we do that very same thing every day. And we've done that by eliminating millions and millions of babies, beheading them in the womb, uh, you know, dismembering them and so forth. And yet we call them barbaric. So mm. who has the real wow. moral perspective on this compass you know wow. where are we going to go we think we are so righteous we think mm. we have all the answers mm. um I, I think that mm. if we could see things from god's perspective we would be a whole lot more humble and i think humility before god is a precedent for victory mm. in the world regardless of what happens so you know i could uh really um increase uh, my language here, but I'll leave it at that. I think yeah. that anything could go. I could, I think the chance for escalation is great. Uh, it, you know, we're starting to see um, the false teachers, false prophets, uh, false, everything, the fake news, you know, yeah. this is escalating beyond anything we ever imagined. It is totally yeah. out of control. All right. All right. That is uh, Dr. Steve Latulip there. And uh, I uh, really have to say to you, uh, what, what a very interesting, uh, wow. The, your analysis there just reminding us, I, I, I actually love what you just did and what you said. It's like a, like a bucket of cold water on all of us. Don't you feel that friends out there? Don't, don't you feel it? I mean, it's like, I mean, I just love what he just did. Took a bucket of cold water and threw it on all of us. Think about it, man. Who the hell are we to talk about the depravity of X, Y, and Z when we do these kinds of egregious attacks ourselves? Hmm. Wow. Well, I never, never quite put that into context at that moment. And boy, that uh, stunned me. He stopped me in my tracks, actually. I never get speechless, though. You know that, friends. But uh, boy, I'll tell you what. That is a cold water moment to me because it reminds us that, you know, which evil is lesser than evils or, you know, I mean, you know, what is it? Do you wait till the kid is born, then you behead it or you behead it in the thing and you pull the thing off and the coat hanger and you yank the. It's hard to think about, isn't it? But, you know, we don't think about these things and we don't talk about them in, in the rawest fashion we can. How are we ever going to bring this stuff to the attention of good people? What did I say yesterday? What did I say today? It's a fight of good and evil. What are we dealing with on multiple levels? But the fact that we, what uh, he, he, he reminds us as Americans, I, I, well, I just read that to Tocqueville, quote to you. Who are we to sit here and talk about our righteousness that to Tocqueville pointed out many years ago? That was the beauty of America. Boy, we have fallen far from that tree branch, have we not, my fellow Americans? Wow. What an interesting conversation. It's going to get a little more interesting just ahead as we talk about some of the other points and how this fight can be bought here at home. It is AmericaOutloud.news. First of all, uh, is the place we want you to get to and share the out loud truth. You know, these conversations are difficult conversations. I was talking to my team this morning on some of this. Really trying to make sure we're being responsible. People are writing different things in various pieces. And, you know, let's face it, we all get emotional. And we sometimes have to be careful keeping things in context always, that we're not taken out of context and then brutalize ourselves, because that's what they look for. And it is important we do that and be we we be truthful and respectful to the moment. So as ladies and gentlemen, 
and to fight the good fight, which is our ultimate goal here. Uh, to Liberty and justice for all means something here as we fight for future generations of humanity and of this great nation. So it is important there to help us out by sharing that truth, uh, please. Uh, we have the best in class, uh, you know, our, our doctors, our engineers, our scientists, our military heroes. We've got just such an enormous team of just beautiful people. You we could not be more proud and pleased of the the, the magnet that has become America Out Loud. So uh, we're here on a mission. We're a mission of God Almighty and a mission of truth. Uh, and uh, there's a point to this and a point of context. So also visit AmericaOutloud.shop to get the latest. This is our partners, uh, and they are amazing. The products we talk about all the time, our doctors, our naturopathic doctors, medical doctors, nurses. Uh, they talk about all the products to help you get through long COVID, get through vaccine injuries, or just to live a healthier, happier life, which is so important. And we've, we've suffered a lot as a people as, as uh, you know, these last few years, uh, more so. And we, we've learned to respect our health. And you can do that with a lot of the great products there at AmericaOutloud.shop, like the spike support from the wellness company, the natokinase fights the uh, spike protein buildup in the body. Use code out loud, get 25% off that. Like the Cofix RX uh, throat spray, the new one. Uh, along with the nasal hygiene, you get 25% off that. Look at all, do your research, check the products out, do your research, and then then get the deals that are there for you. We, we worked and negotiated them all on your behalf, our, the America Out Loud family. And uh, so anyways, visit the shop, americaoutloud.shop, and, and take a look at that. Okay, we're going to uh, open this up a little more in part two, and uh, we'll join you in just a moment. You're listening to The Voice of a Nation. Listen to Malcolm, the voice of a nation, on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations.
Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. We join you back here on The Voice of a Nation. It is indeed Malcolm Out Loud here, and thank you, my fellow Americans, uh, for joining us on the mission here. It's been a tough mission this week, frankly. Been some tough conversations. This uh, master plan we've been talking about in the Middle East started resonating from the Middle East and a beacon that, that pushes outward. You just heard some very strong commentary uh, from uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Sargis Sangari from uh, Dr. Steve Latula, military hero himself, uh, Wallace Garneau, another military hero, uh, part of our team here. And um, you've just heard some very passionate but effective and knowledgeable uh, analysis uh, from people who get it and they understand what the problems are. Uh, <clears throat> the master plan bringing that forth, uh, when you say death to America and death to Israel, which is the, uh, that is the, um, uh, the game plan that that is their metaphor it is their uh, game plan it, it is their mandate if you will uh of the iranian regime the ayatollah Khomeini, uh the irgc and that group uh in what they're up to uh, that is their that's their plan uh and they are executing that or attempting to execute that now in the middle east with israel um now the point of America um, and what we do next. We're dealing with very poor leadership at the current time. Um, we don't have the peace through strength attitude. <clears throat> Our adversaries know this. They know what we're dealing with. Uh, the former President Donald Trump put a statement out on um, uh, his media, in fact, and said, uh, and I quote, the same people that raided Israel are pouring into our once beautiful USA through our totally open southern border at record numbers. Um, and uh, he said, are they planning an attack within our country? Uh, the answer should be very obvious to all, he says. And finally, he he talks about uh, Biden's boss, Barack Obama. You know, Obama's name's been coming up a lot in recent days. Again, um, I see his name in a lot of our writers, a lot of our shows. They believe he is the mastermind behind this and his transformation. Um, very interesting. Uh, and it's an opinion, whether you think he is or not. I think everybody agrees that Biden is probably not making these decisions. Uh, Sergeant Sangari, uh, Colonel, do you, do you, I, I never asked you. I mean, I, we've never basically talked very basic on this, but do, do, let me just ask you straight out again, please, your opinion on that. Uh, you, you, first of all, you don't think Joe Biden, or do you think, I, maybe I should word the question, is he making the decisions of the administration right now? And if not, who is? Could it possibly be Obama, do you think? Well, there's 23 staffers from the Obama administration that are <laughs> part uh, somehow uh, in the current administration. Even you were mentioning immigration, uh, you know, Amy Pope was a former National Security Council staffer under Obama administration, is now the director of the United Nations Agency, who's going to be funneling all those Palestinian refugees. Some of them are Hamas operators. Where are they going to end up? More likely, they're going to probably be pushed out of Gaza, they're going to end up somehow in our southern border and into our country. But that's just a reality. I had written an article in 2015 hmm. after I had uh, been out in Japan uh, on stage talking about anti-terrorism. And uh, this was a time when those certain Christians were getting butchered like uh, cattle between 2014 and 2017. And hmm. I came back and I referenced the speech that was given by Wang Yi 
their new power relations. Now, that speech uh, that he gave, he gave it in September of 2012. And this, of course, the Chinese foreign minister, Wang Yi, gave the speech at Brookings yeah. Institute where he presented China's vision of the future right. in his address. And he addressed it a new power relations with the U.S., basically. And, uh, of course, uh, he was talking about how the United States and China, uh, in order not to be clashing each other, need to take a look at a new world. And this new world really was mapped out simply by China having basically majority of Asia ceded to it. Uh, United, uh, the United States would be leaving the Middle East, concentrating on South America. And then uh, Africa would be an area where we could compete on the resources. And either Russia or EU was going to be the lead for Europe. And if you take a look at what has happened since then, and yeah. by the way, it should be mentioned that when uh, Susan Rice took the stage in George Washington University, everybody was expecting that the Obama administration would offer a counter to that. But she talked about how to actually actualize what Wang Yi proposed. So that's when the deal was struck. And yeah, if you take yeah. a look at the war taking place in right. Europe, mm -hmm. every chess piece was being laid out the same way that these individuals communicated in open source from yeah. broken yeah. Yeah. George Washington University well, on how this should be done. The world is being restructured right now. I mean, the geopolitical field is changing, right? Right, Colonel? I mean, it's changing. And, it's changing, uh, correct. And it's changing yeah. for what they would like to see. Right. It the new world to. order, the new world order. I mean, that's what we're talking about. You know, I, I got to get to a couple of big points here. You said to, you said uh, you, you said something striking at the end there. And I got to come back to it and go right around with all of you, because this is a big deal. OK, so here's the scenario. So now uh, to the north, Hezbollah makes a move. They have the missiles uh, just the way you laid out, Colonel, just a moment ago. They strike right into the heart of Israel and Tel Aviv, Jerusalem. I mean, there it is right there. Okay. Is there any scenario in your mind? This is a difficult question, but it's, a, but it's an important one. Is there any scenario in your mind that the United States does not support Israel at that moment of that if that beck and call, that because they hardly ever ask for anything, obviously, which we've talked about. But do, is there ever that moment where they don't support them? Back to what you said a moment ago, that scenario, Colonel, and Israel is, is done. Does that happen? Is that a scenario that could happen? I don't think the current POTUS would be able to allow that to happen. The pressure would be so enormous on him that he would have to take action. But I hate to tell you, I don't know if he would be an individual that may allow Israel to bleed a little bit. You know, uh, that's been said to me now. Now, now stay. Thank you for being honest, uh, Colonel. I, I, I really so enjoy your I respect and appreciate your honesty. But let me just tell you, please, you're, you're killing me here with the truth, <laughs> because that has been said to me now several times in the last few days that this administration is obviously no fan of and, and he's not going to say it in public. But it, uh, there's an agenda here. And what you just said with all the people in the Biden cabal, that which I tell listeners all the time, yeah, they're the same cast that were with uh, Barack Obama in a hot second. Of, who, who do you think's running the show here? I mean, it's not Biden, but the cabal and, and uh, Barack himself. And not only that, but look at all the people he's put in our institutions. Look at all the people throughout the bureaucratic state that I tell you about all the time. And now you see the bigger problem here we have. So that scenario I just laid out that the colonel answered obviously and said, hey, no, I, you know, 
I mean, <laughs> there'd be a lot of pressure, but he didn't say, no, they wouldn't do it. He would have to, you know, he might want to let them bleed a little bit. And that's been said to me. Uh, do you, Wally, do you, do you see that as well? Do you see that as a, do you follow the same thinking style of that? I'm actually probably even more pessimistic than that. I think that there is an amount of money that China and or Iran could pay Joe Biden uh, to get him to give a token response. Oh, you mean like leaving equipment in the Afghanistan desert? Is that what you mean? Like that? There are indications that some of the weaponry that Hamas used was actually some of that weaponry. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the same thing. That's what I'm saying. And some of that weaponry is showing up in Gaza now, uh, as well as has been stated. We've stated in the last couple of days on the broadcast here. Malcolm. Yep. Malcolm, best case scenario, Joe Biden, when he was still intelligent, he was never intelligent, when his brain was still reasonably functional, he was no better than Nobel Chamberlain. He has, by uh, Barack Obama's national defense secretary, he has been wrong on every issue of national policy, of, of foreign policy, rather, for the last 50 years. Yeah. This guy's this guy's Nobel Chamberlain. Yeah. He's he's gonna he's, he's gonna appease and appease and appease, and eventually you keep appeasing, they punch you in the and face. That's what Your we enemies have just right keep now. getting stronger. And, and, yeah, well, that's what we have. And that's sadly when this whole thing happened in the last election, he's what we're dealing with. And and you know what's even sadder is we have him for another year, and uh what uh, we're in uh, October, November, December, well, another year and uh, three months, so uh, 12, 15 months. Fifteen months we got him still. How do you like those apples? You know? We got a minimum of fifteen months. What, what? What? That's provided the American people are not totally insane. Okay, and provided that we still have something resembling a real vote. That's correct. Okay, now back to this border thing. Um, I, I've been reporting on many days here now of that southern border. The former president comes out and talks about it right there. Uh, what might have been taking a place at the southern border? Uh, I, I, you know, we're thinking that the sleeper cells that we refer to are. I, positive they're here in our country um we that could be another level of this iran plan wallace oh, absolutely one quick sec don't you think absolutely absolutely the best way to get joe biden to back down he's a weak man the best way to get him to back down on foreign policy is to punch him in the face light up some uh some some terrorist activity in the united states make sure that he knows don't say publicly but make sure he knows through back channels that it's just going to keep getting worse until we back off of israel he'll do it He's a weak man. He is exactly the right yeah. guy to be in office right now if you're China. Iran. Well, that is accurate. That is an accurate statement. He, they can control him. And we've seen that time and time again. With all, Look at the energy, what he's done here. Look at the economy, what he's done here. Look at the all the manipulations that have been done with our lives. Uh, Steve, let me bring you in on this uh, part of the piece, please, here. And this point of, uh, we, I mean, I already know what you'd say to a lot of those things because you don't have any faith left there, but when it comes to Biden, so we, we understand that. Let's not repeat the same stuff. Let's talk about this, uh, the possibility of sleeper cells in America here on the border and what might happen as far as this master plan. Your thoughts? Well, I believe that the sleeper cells are definitely here. I do believe that the infiltration of our government uh, is not from a weak Biden. It is more from an intentional Obama plan. And I think that they are working specifically uh, to strategize uh, by seeding America with the enemy within 
And at the opportune moment, they will strike and they will strike hard, fast and strong and uh, pervasively throughout the United States. What will that do? Uh, that's the big unknown, because what will our military do for one thing? And what, what will our armed civilian population do all, with all its veterans, all its police force, retired police? How will we respond? I don't know. It could be a, a huge wake up call for America or. Or it could be the beginning of the end, depending on how we respond. Yeah. Well, thank you, uh, Steve. On that wake-up call here, uh, Colonel Sergeant and Gary, let me give you a last word here on a couple of points here. Uh, what Steve brings up there is very, very important, and, and Wallace comments as well. Uh, this wake-up call, the sleeper cells, I don't imagine you being as experienced as you are in this conversation. There's no, I, uh, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I would imagine there's no doubt in your mind those sleeper cells are here, especially at this time now, throughout our country, uh, strategically. Everybody's talking about the numbers. I talked to the best immigration minds in the country on these broadcasts, and we know what's here. We know even with the gutaways and the rest of it, we know what's here. And what's been documented from the CBP on the terrorist terror watch list, I mean, they're not here for a luxury vacation, Colonel. They're here to do harm. Uh, everybody's playing dumb on this stuff. There's going to be a price to pay for this insanity. Um, is that is, is, what's your sense about that right now in the immediate moment I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I mean, just two days ago, FBI and Homeland Security <laughs> sent out an alert that what you just said is a possibility. So, I mean, they're even uh, saying it on their on the open source is no longer something behind back channels and emails that is being discussed. Uh, I fought insurgencies and I ran insurgencies. <laughs> so I I can tell you that uh, it's not that difficult to do. Uh, you could use couriers. You could have a understanding of uh, how to communicate internally. Not everybody gets fit to plant. Right. But when it comes down and it gets activated, you see the results of what happened uh, against Israel. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we spend so much money on signal intelligence and human intelligence is lacking. You don't have it. And even the Israelis started uh, suffering from human intelligence. Why? Because the left, the far left folks in Israel put a lot of pressure on them to go away from really the human intelligence. Well, yeah, and, and these these cats know how to work around this stuff is what they're doing, Colonel, right? I mean, they're working around it. They know how to work around it. They're going to try different means. They're smart. They're not stupid. No, they're not. I mean, if if that's my enemy, I have to find a way to defeat right. them. And that's if they right. got nuclear bombs and I got a box cutter, that's there's right. another way of approaching it. And again, the, I don't have to win the war at the end. I just don't have to lose. Lose. Yeah. So that's we it. have to make them lose. That. It, well, hold on. You make up a big point here. You you really got me thinking here today. But what you what you said now repeatedly. We the only way to win this is we have to make them lose. Correct. Yeah, and how are you gonna lose? How are they gonna lose when there's an ideology that is imprinted between the six inches of their eyeballs that says, two thousand years from now, go open up a suitcase and there goes Jerusalem." Right, right, right. So basically, you're saying we're screwed. Yes, un un unless the ideology changes. As long as the ideology is there, it's not gonna happen. A certain Christian's been getting butchered every fifty years. Over the past uh, so many years, look, when the United States invaded Iraq, Assyrian Christians were 1.5 million. My folks, my ethnicity were reduced to 150,000. Who was on the ground 
protecting us, United States military, CGSOTIF, Delta Force, Navy SEALs, uh, EU, NATO, Japan, Georgia, everybody was there and they couldn't protect two churches. You think we're going to be able to uh, protect against this type of an enemy? I hear you. I hear you, Colonel, loud and clear. Wow. Uh, Friends, that's all the time we have here. Tremendous thank you for joining us on the mission here. It's time to get involved and get loud, America.